All right. Morning, church family. How we doing? Good to see you. I felt like that was kind of a fake who. <laughs> Come on, how are we doing? We excited to be in God's house? Amen. Good to see you. Hey, if you have your Bibles, Bible apps, uh, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. We are continuing this series on dangerous prayers. Started last week. Uh, we talked about a prayer that David had in Psalm 139 where he said, God, search me. We talked about, man, when you're really honest and sincere about that prayer, it's a really dangerous prayer to pray. God, really search me, know my heart, know, know my motives, know every anxious thought that's inside of me, everything that I'm fearful about, God, expose those things and help me to grow in relationship with you. We've been talking about how a lot of times we pray safe prayers. God's interested in any communication that we have with him. He loves hearing all of our prayers. It doesn't matter how big or how small the prayer request is. But we talked about how a lot of times when we come to God, we come to him with these safe prayers like, God, protect me. God, watch over me. God, bless me. God, do this for me. God, do that for me. And a lot of times those prayers are great. They're fine. But those prayers are talking about the benefits of God. But dangerous prayers is when we start creating this dynamic where it's, it's not just about how God is gonna hook us up and bless us, but it, it becomes also about, God, what do you need from me? God, how can I serve your kingdom? How can I be more connected in relationship with you and to know your heart? And so this week, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna look at a, a, a dangerous prayer that honestly can be a little bit of a touchy subject for all of us. And it's this prayer, forgive them. Forgive them. How many of you guys travel very much uh, through airports and stuff? How many travel pretty pretty regularly, okay, different cities and different stuff. Uh, it's getting a little out of control with how much stuff they're starting to charge for. Like they, they're getting you with everything. They're charging for everything now. So it used to be like, you know, as long as you didn't try to like put a hundred pound bag, like you're, you're pretty much good. But now they're like, you only get one bag. If it's a half a pound over, then you're gonna have to pay an extra fee and they get you with this fee. And if you have to pay for extra bag. And so there's these, these two guys, they're, they're traveling overseas. And instead of paying the extra price, they just wore all the clothes <laughs> that were gonna be in the bag. So they didn't have to pay the fee. And I thought, well, that's smart. Uh, also would suggest don't ever be behind these people in security lines. Uh, because if they have something underneath and they have to take all that off, it's gonna take a long time. But I thought it was interesting because I think that this can be a great picture of how a lot of us are trying to travel through life. In other words, they didn't wanna check in an extra bag. And so instead they're, they're just wearing everything. And I find that there's a lot of us that we wear a lot of extra stuff that keeps us, keeps us from moving the way that God would want us to move through life. And I think what God is saying is like, hey, we all have some baggage and I want you to just come and check your bag with me. Come and check the extra luggage that you're carrying around because until you do, you're not gonna be able to move. You're not gonna be able to become the person that I've created you to be. It says in Hebrews 12, 1, therefore, since we are surrounded such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. Everybody say everything. Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Throw off the weight. Throw off the extra stuff, the layers. 
This prayer that we're looking at today, this is actually a prayer that Jesus prayed. This dangerous prayer. So in Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 32, it says this. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, Golgotha, they were crucified with him. Along, they, he, were they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. So I, I don't know about you, but typically if, if I am able to walk through forgiveness about something, I'm typically not forgiving in the middle of that person hurting me. Like as they're inflicting this emotional or physical pain upon me, I'm not typically in the middle of that thinking, I just forgive you. This is just no big deal. If I forgive you, I forgive Jesus is in the worst pain that any human being has ever experienced physically, emotionally, and spiritually. He's in the middle of all that. And while in the middle of that pain, he is speaking forgiveness over the people that are inflicting the pain upon him. In the middle of the greatest pain that anybody could ever imagine, Jesus' number one concern is still getting people reconciled with his father. He's forgiving a, a, a person that's being crucified next to him. He's forgiving the people that are getting ready to gamble over his clothes. He's forgiving the people that are mocking him, and ridiculing him. He's, he's forgiving all those people in the middle of his pain. That's a dangerous prayer. It's dangerous for a lot of different reasons. I find that a lot of us have some hurts and they're legitimate hurts. The one thing that you can be guaranteed at one point or another, someone's probably gonna hurt you. You're gonna get hurt. We all have physical hurts in our lives. I find that for the most part, physical pain in my life, like I can deal with some physical pain in my life. I've, I've had some physical pain. There is one type of physical pain that for one reason or another, it affects me dramatically more than any other physical pain. And that is when I hit my head on something. For some reason, when I hit my head on something, like if I have to go up into the attic and get things down for Christmas or whatever holiday that I have to get the storage out and I hit my head on one of those cross means, for some reason, when that happens, it tests my salvation more than any other physical pain that could happen in my life. Like I really just... It, it, I don't know why, it just, my, every demon, if there is one inside of me, it starts manifesting when that happens. But I don't know about you, but what happens to me is I will hit my head on something, but I'm so mad about it, I want whatever object I hit my head on to be punished. And so there's been so many times when I've hit my head on something and because I'm angry at what I hit my head on, I'll punch it. Then my hand is hurt. So now it's both my head and my hand writhing in pain. This is a great picture of what unforgiveness is like. Because it keeps hurting you. The problem with unforgiveness is, is not just that it hurts you once. The problem with unforgiveness is you are giving the situation, you're giving the person, you're giving the instance that hurts you, you're giving it permission to continue to hurt you. 
It may have been an accident that I hit my head on whatever I hit my head and I may not have been able to see it coming and it wasn't something that maybe I could control, but I could definitely control punching what I hit my head on. That's my choice. That's the decision that I get to make. And that is a lot what unforgiveness is. But, but here's the thing. I know some of us, we have legitimate hurts and pains in our lives. Some of us, we've been stabbed in the back by our friends. People have broken trust with us. Maybe, maybe a spouse, one of our kids. We've been ridiculed, maybe bullied or hated. Some of us, we've just been misunderstood or taken advantage of. Some of us have been physically emotionally, spiritually, sexually abused. And all of that, those are legitimate hurts and wounds and pains. But when you don't forgive, you're giving permission for them to continue to hurt you. And they will. They'll continue to give you pain. Look, I've, I've, I've experienced rejection. I, I've experienced some really hateful things in my life. I shared that I was bullied a lot when I was in school, and especially junior high, middle school, man, I was bullied all the time. It's just a constant thing. How many of y'all know that there's a few people's names you remember from your past? Like you'll remember like that one teacher, like whether you hated them or really liked them, you'll remember like maybe your best friend, you'll remember that first boyfriend or girlfriend, either because you, they broke your heart or because they were your first love or whatever, but you always remember the name of the bully. I remember the names of my bullies. Ronnie Martinez. Ronnie Martinez is one of my bullies. And I remember one day I got to school and I'm walking down the hallway and he's hanging out with his little gang, his little posse. And he said something just mean, rude, making fun of me or whatever. And I was just, man, I'm not having a good day. I was mad. So as I'm walking down the hallway, I gave him the ring finger. Couldn't go all out with the middle finger. I gave him the ring finger. For some reason or another, I still had a lot of legalism and religion in my life. And so I felt like no middle finger will send me straight to hell. But I'll give him the ring finger and he'll know what I mean by it. And he got mad. He got mad that I gave him the ring finger. And so he came after me. He followed me into the bathroom. And this guy, his friends are blocking the door. I'm like, we're about to throw down in the bathroom. So I squared off and I swung, missed. And, uh, and then he squared up. And he got ready to throw a punch. And so I went like this. And he punched me right in the top of the head. And if, if you don't know me, I have an incredibly dense, hard head. Just ask my wife. And, uh, and so when he hit me, he broke his hand on the top of my hand. That's the closest I've ever come to winning a fight. <laughs> that was it. It's like, it's over. I won. What? But I got to a point in my mid-20s when I realized, man, I'm still holding on to stuff from Ronnie Martinez. I'm still letting stuff. And I had to walk through a process. I'm like, man, I was, I I can't, I'm gonna write his name down. And I'm, I'm gonna write down everything I can remember that he did to me. And I'm like, oh, I still remember, what's his name too? And I remember this person, that person, I started making a list. I'm like, man, this is, I got some hurt. I listed every person. I listed everything they did. And one by one, I walked through and I declared forgiveness. And it was like taken off. The layers, 
the baggage. She's like, God, I don't want to live in that place. We have things like that. Forgiveness is so powerful, though. It's so powerful. You may never demonstrate the true character of God greater than when you forgive someone who does not deserve it. You may never have a more clear demonstration of who God is in your life than when you choose to forgive and release someone who is unworthy of forgiveness. Mother Teresa, she was back in, back in 1989, she was in Phoenix and she was on a radio station talking about some outreach that she was doing in that city. And, and towards the end of the conversation, the radio announcer asked her, Mother Teresa, is there anything that, that I can do or that we can do for you? And she, he was expecting like, she was gonna say, well, yeah, we need some more financial support for this. We need some more volunteers to come and do this. If we have more people helping with this situation, then that would be great. And she responded with this, yes, there is. Find somebody that you don't love and does not deserve to be loved and that no one else loves and love them and most importantly, forgive them. That's all she said. Because she's wired differently. <laughs> she understood out of everything that she could ask for, if people could just begin to unconditionally love and forgive other people, that would be the most helpful thing. That would change the scope of her ministry. It says in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe and you will receive it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything, anything against anyone, when you study this in the Greek, it means anything and anyone, forgive them. Why? So that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Whew, that's heavy. What this is saying is to the level that you understand the grace and forgiveness that you need to extend to other people will be the same level to which you will get to experience God's forgiveness and grace in your life. Because your relationship with other people is directly connected and will affect the way that you approach God. And the way that you understand God and his approach to you will directly affect your relationship with other people. So sometimes people are like, man, I've just been praying and I've been having a difficult time. It feels like my prayers are just hitting a concrete ceiling. I don't know what's going on. One of the first things I'll start digging into is, well, do you have any unforgiveness? Is there any bitterness that you're struggling with? Because what I find is in my own life, my relationship with God, the effectiveness of my prayers are a lot of times are directly correlated to my ability to walk in grace and love towards other people. And I have to be honest about who do I need to forgive? It's God's will that we forgive. God wants us to have deep relationship with him, but he also wants us to have healthy and whole relationships with other people. And he knows that our interaction with him is gonna be tied with that stuff. So why is forgiveness so dangerous? Why is this prayer so dangerous? First of all, because it's uncommon. It's uncommon to do this. God, but God's called us to be an uncommon people. He actually, at one verse he says that you are a strange and peculiar people. So turn your name and say, you're a weirdo. Because they, if you're a Christ follower, you're supposed to be uncommon. The way you love, the way you forgive. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5.13. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. 
And if we're in our right minds, that's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. In other words, when you accept the sacrifice of Jesus, you lay down your life. You lay down your rights. That is uncommon to live with a full acceptance and understanding of that, that you have no rights. A lot of the ways of God are uncommon, though. Like, it's uncommon to live by faith. It's uncommon to, to be humble and teachable, <laughs> especially us men. It's uncommon to find a humble, teachable man. It's uncom uncommon to, to save your virginity and your purity and to hold sacred the covenant of marriage. It's uncommon to do that. It's uncommon to have high school students that are willing to pray and fast to seek the will of God. But it's happening. It's uncommon to have men that are willing to leave the deer woods to come back to church. But it's happening. It's uncommon. It's uncommon to have people that have full-time jobs and busy schedules and all that, but they still serve around the body of Christ and in his house. It's uncommon, but it happens. It's uncommon to have people that are generous, that give their time, their energy, their resources. These are uncommon things. God has called us to be uncommon. This is a hard principle when you're raising kids, right? You want, I want my kids to be uncommon. One of my kids recently was struggling with a little bit of bad language. This is so frustrating. Because I want my kids to be salt and light, right? But it, it means that I have to send them into places where it's dark, which means there's an opportunity cost of that because it means that there is a chance that they could be influenced in the same way that they are trying to influence the darkness, that the darkness could influence them a little bit. So it's frustrating, right? It's frustrating when your kids come home and they're doing something or, or, or saying words. It's like, I mean, I know that they aren't learning at home. Cody hasn't cussed in a couple months now. So it's not like... <laughs> It's not like he's learning. I'm joking. My wife never cussed. She's never cussed her whole life. She's such a good Christian. Uh, but, <laughs> but I'm trying to, I'm, so I'm speaking to this child and I'm just like, why did you do this? Why did you use this word? Well, the cool kids. And I'm like, no. I'm like, first of all, if you want to know what cool is, you have one of the greatest examples that you could ever look to. <laughs> in the history of all mankind, your mom. <laughs> but I'm not interested in you being like everyone else. God's called you to be uncommon. If everyone else is doing it, it's no longer cool because everyone else is doing it. You know what the coolest thing is? To rebel against what culture is trying to get you to do. That's like the new coolest thing out there to actually live a godly lifestyle. It's like the most mind-blowing, revelatory thing that could happen. Just trying to convince him like, no, God's called us to be different. God's called us to be different. So much of what we're called to do is uncommon. Forgiveness is so uncommon. You know what is common? To live offended, 
<laughs> Hello? Just get on social media for 30 seconds. I promise you, you will find an offended post. <laughs> like, I'd say a strong two out of three. There's just some, there's an offense for a bunch of different stuff. Jesus prophesied that this would happen. He actually said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 10, he said, and many will turn away from me and be betray and hate each other. Many, let's just not be part of the many, please. Let's be uncommon. It's also dangerous because it's uncomfortable. It's more than uncomfortable, it's painful. Because the truth is you have to revisit the pain if you're gonna forgive. Why would you do that? Well, the truth is it really is still there and it really still is hurting you even if you're not truly facing it. But it is uncomfortable. One of the reasons why it's uncomfortable is because we feel like some of these misconceptions about forgiveness, like forgive and forget. That is not biblical. It's a catchy phrase, but it's not in the Bible. No, you forgive and remember. That's what makes forgiveness so powerful. It's because you can still remember, but you can still forgive. That's what makes forgiveness so powerful. But that's why it's uncomfortable. Look, just because you forgive others does not mean that it wasn't wrong what they did. It was wrong. They messed up. They messed up big time. But you do not ever have to trust them again. Ever. Because the Bible, it commands us biblically that we need to forgive people, but it does not command us to trust people. Forgiveness is what we do. Building trust, that's on them. And they may never do it again. Doesn't matter, we still forgive. It's uncomfortable because, because we think that we magically need to forget that it ever happened. It just, how many of y'all feel like your memory's slipping a little bit? Anybody in the house? I feel like mine has been, which I can get over that, but I feel like people are taking advantage of me because of it. Like even my wife, like, oh, I told you we had that dinner appointment. I'm like, no, I don't think you did. She's like, remember last week when you forgot this, you forgot that, same thing's happening right now. I'm like, oh, you're right, maybe I am. <laughs> my kids, dad, you told us you are gonna take us out to get this treat. I'm like, I don't think I would have said that. They're like, yeah, you did. You always forget all the things you tell us you're gonna do for us. I'm like, well, probably. Some staff person comes up to me, James, you approve this. I'm like, I would never approve that. Here's the email. I'm like, oh, okay. So I had to fire a couple people. And... <laughs> but the one thing that we're very good at remembering is the hurt. I don't forget that easily. And I don't think that I have to. I just think what it does to me is what makes the difference. but I think that we have to trust God with the justice of it. It says in 1 Peter 2.23, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Another reason why this is a dangerous prayer is because it's unfair. It's unfair, it doesn't feel fair. Just let somebody off the hook? Everything they did. Colossians 3.13 says, though, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Anyone? Anyone who, for, who offends you. 
Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. I don't know about you, but I've been in this place before when I said stuff's not fair. This isn't fair. Even to the point where I'll be saying, God, this isn't, you're not fair. I don't know if you've ever said that before, but that phrase is actually 100% accurate. God is not fair. And it is really good that God's not fair because it's not fair that I'm forgiven. It's not fair that I'm forgiven. You see, a lot of times what we forget is in the processes of us having a difficult time forgiving other people, there's somebody out there who's having to forgive you. And it ain't fair. And that's why it's grace. That's why it's not something that's fair. It's a supernatural deal. It's given somebody something that, they, that isn't fair, just like God did for us and does for us daily. I'm thankful that God's not fair because <laughs> there's a lot that I would get if he was. It would be really difficult. A lot of times, though, we forget where our fight really is. Fairness so often is, is established by situation and circumstance and natural things that we're battling against, but the Bible tells us clearly that that's not where we're supposed to live. It says in Ephesians 6, 12, where we are not fighting against flesh and blood and enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It's like very repetitive. It's like, hey, your fight is not a natural fight. It's a spiritual fight. Even if it feels really natural at the end of the day, what that thing is doing in the natural is ultimately trying to get you off track spiritually, which is eternal. So we're, but we're, we're wrestling against this. You will have an opportunity, I promise you, probably today to respond in anger towards people that have offended you or rejected you. We have all fantasized about throat punching people and roundhouse kicking people in the head. We've all fantasized about doing stuff to people that cut us off on the freeway. We've all done that. You'll have that opportunity, but what you have to remember is this, they're not the enemy. Politicians are not the enemy. Trolls on social media are not the enemy. Certain news outlets are not the enemy. Your crazy uncle or whatever other crazy family member you have, they're not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. He's the one that's really trying to do the damage. We have to keep our fight where the fight's really fought and won. He wants us to live a life. The enemy wants us to live a life that's totally offended and bitter. We have too many believers that are fighting a spiritual fight with physical strategies instead of fighting the fight where it's really fought. How do you fight back? How do you fight back? Grace. Grace and love. We used to say this all the time. Pastor Rick said this. I remember when I first moved here and came on staff. I remember him saying this. He's like, look, this is who, what we're gonna be. This is how we're gonna love people as a church. We're gonna love people until they wanna puke. We're gonna love people till it makes them sick because it just isn't gonna make sense that we could love people like that. And I think, I mean, if you wanna know how you really win, how you really win, it's with grace. It's also dangerous because it's unconditional. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. Romans 12, 18 says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And this is a whole message. 
But so often when I talk to people about forgiveness, it's like, yeah, well, I, I am forgiving them, but they, I, for, I'm for, I forgave them, but they, but they, but they. We need to leave our butts out of it. Some of us have big butts. Some of us have little butts. But regardless, your butts are pointing behind you, not towards the things that God has for you. Stop focusing behind you in the butts of your past and what this person did, but they, but they, but they, but they, and allow God to focus on what's ahead of you. But here's the thing, you can't do that if you keep saying, but they. At the end of the day, this is what you're responsible for. It says, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, you can't be responsible for how they're gonna react. You can't be responsible for whether or not they're gonna accept the forgiveness or if the relationship's gonna be reconciled. Let the Holy Spirit do his job. He's been doing it for a long time and he's better at it than you. But what you're responsible for is as far as it depends on you. So sometimes I'll sit down with someone and I'll say, man, you're struggling with this. I can tell. And like, yeah, I wanna forgive them, but, but they, but they, but they and I, and so I'll, I'll just look him in the eye, I'll challenge him. I'll say, have you done everything as far as it depends on you to be at peace with them? Have you really? Have you done everything you can? Because once you have, you get to rest. You get to trust God. I've done everything I can as far as it depends on, on me to be at peace with this person. Forgiveness is unconditional. One day Peter came to Jesus and said, Jesus, how many times should I forgive somebody? Because the rabbis were teaching, you need to forgive somebody three times. So Peter's trying to be impressive to Jesus. Well, I'm gonna forgive him seven times. I'm gonna double it and add one. Because Peter also knew that seven was the number of completion. It was throughout scripture, seven days, seventh year, over and over again. So he's trying to be impressive to Jesus, but Jesus says, no, you're not getting this. Not seven times, but 70 times seven. Peter's a fisherman, he's not great at math. So he's like, carry the one, do put this. 490 times? No, I'm not even saying 490 times. The point is this, if you're keeping count, you're not understanding forgiveness. Because forgiveness is, it's complete. It's absolute, but it is a faith walk. Because you're not always gonna feel like forgiving. Just like you don't always feel like loving. Like anybody that's been married more than a year, understands at one point or another, you're gonna have to choose to love. You're gonna have to choose to love. It's a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. It's a faith walk sometimes. I had somebody a couple days ago, they're struggling in a relationship, an important relationship in their life, and they said, but how do I know when I'm forgiven? Well, I think that's between you and God. I think that the Holy Spirit will help you with that. But for me, this is how I know. I know that I am experiencing true forgiveness towards someone when I can see them the same way that Jesus sees me. So how does Jesus see me? He's, he doesn't see me for my sin. He separates me from my offenses towards him. He doesn't see me for my weakness. He always sees me for my potential of who he created me to be. And so I think when you can start seeing people the way that God sees them, you're beginning to experience forgiveness towards them. That's a tall order though. That's tough. Well, it is, but it's especially tough if you're not walking in the grace and forgiveness that God has for you. It is impossible for you to give what you have not experienced. <laughs> I mean, you just, you don't, you can't give what you don't have. And I think that that's, 
why it's difficult for a lot of people. It's difficult not just because of what they did or how bad it hurt or anything else. It's difficult because you're still in a place where maybe you haven't completely allowed God's forgiveness and grace to change you. And I think you have to start there. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I know some of you, man, you're still wrestling with forgiveness. You're still wrestling with some things that people did or said that have hurt you, brought pain in your life. Our prayer team's gonna be down here in just a little bit. We're gonna worship God one more time. And, and as the song is playing, I encourage you, one of the best things you can do sometimes is just confess that you have some unforgiveness. Let somebody else encourage you and strengthen you and support you in prayer. And I'd encourage you as, as we worship God one more time, maybe you need to come down here and allow somebody to, to agree in prayer with you that you're gonna walk out forgiveness. But some of you, You've never experienced true forgiveness for yourself. It has to start there. It has to start with you saying, look, I, I need to be forgiven. <laughs> I need to be forgiven. The only place you can find true forgiveness is through Jesus. And so if you're here today and you just recognize, man, I have never experienced this forgiveness. And the thing is, you're probably wrestling with your own memory, your own thoughts, your, the times it's like, how could God forgive me? Well, he can forgive you because he's not fair. <laughs> he can forgive you because it's an unconditional love. If you're willing, he's willing. If you're here today and you're ready to accept the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, maybe you need to commit your life to him for the first time. Maybe you need to come back to him. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. Maybe you've been walking in a place of bitterness and unforgiveness and it's led you away from him. If you're in either one of those places, I just wanna give you a chance to respond to what his Holy Spirit's asking you to do, just to come back to him, to surrender your life. If you're here today and you know that you're in that place, the word says, if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you can be saved. So I'd encourage you, if you're making this decision, tell somebody about it as soon as you can. A great way to tell people about it is through water baptism. We'll have an opportunity coming up in a couple weeks. But if you're here today and you're ready, you're ready to confess, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. I'm away from God. I'm ready to come back to him. I'd love to include you in this prayer. And if that's you, nobody looking around, if that's you, I want you to just put your hand up right now across this room. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Got it. Saw you. Anybody else? I need a savior. I need to surrender my life to God today. Anybody else? I'm away from him. I need to be forgiven. Okay, got it. Anybody else? Okay. Father God, I thank you so much for those couple of hands. If you just raise your hand, I just want you to talk to God and be honest with him. Just say this. Say, God, here's my life, and I know that I'm a sinner, and I can't save myself. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. He paid the price for my sin. He defeated my sin. He defeated death when he rose from the grave. Right now, I surrender my life to you as my Lord. I repent. I don't wanna keep living or making the same choices I've been making. I wanna live according to your plan, your purpose, and your will. Lead me by your spirit and by your word and what that means. Help me be connected to, to other people that believe what I now believe. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for your forgiveness. 
Father God, I thank you for what you're working on in people's hearts and their lives right now. I pray that you'd just embolden them. If they need prayer right now, it's your, the front of this room, Lord, that they would come forward and just and receive everything that you have for them. I pray that you keep moving in this room, Lord. I pray that you break off the bonds, God, that are keeping people hindered away from everything you have for them. Move right now. Spirit of the living God, in Jesus' name, amen.